From Gimlet, you're listening to Startup, the podcast about what it's really like to start a business. I'm Lisa Chow. I'm Alex Bloomberg, and we're back after a week off. A week off that we thought we had mentioned we were taking at the end of our last episode, but it turns out we didn't mention. We had a line in there, but it inadvertently got edited out, and so we heard from some of you on Twitter. Our apologies. Also, a warning, there is some explicit language in this episode. We left off the last episode with two dating ring clients, John and Jen, who had just gotten their matches sent to them via text. He likes the arts. He's close with his family. He loves to travel. He's a runner. He's geese. Yeah, I think this is well-matched. I'm digging this. This is is great. Oh, yeah, she's really cute. Yeah, I'll definitely write to her. (laughs) And so let's kick off this new episode with a quick update. A couple of days ago, I gave John a call, and he told me what happened next. Yeah, what happened was I waited to the next day to email her and I or to text her, I guess I should say. I texted her and she replied back that she discontinued. She had like three different reasons why she was unavailable. She discontinued the service with the dating ring. Then she said she reconnected with someone from college. And then, oh, I'm also, she said something like, oh, I'm also moving to Houston or something or to Austin, Austin. So I was like, all right, good luck. For Jen, things didn't go much better. She told our producer, Lisa Pollack, that her match did text her back. They spoke by phone for 45 minutes. It was a pretty good conversation, she said. He told her he'd call her back to set up a date, but he never did. At this point, when somebody says they are going to do something and they don't, I just sort of say, okay, well, they're just not into me. That's okay. On to the next one. Yeah. It's it's tough. You just, you got to have... I don't even think you need thick skin. I think you just have to have, you have to have pretty low expectations. Yeah. (laughs) Sad, but true. Oh. (laughs) Lowering expectations, preparing for rejection, it's something you have to get used to in the online dating world. When someone doesn't text you back, you have all the normal questions about why not. There are a lot of reasons why somebody doesn't respond. They're not into the process. They met somebody. They forget. They're not interested. I'm not attracted to them in general. That's all fine and well and good. But for some dating ring clients, like this woman, we'll call her Clara, there's another question. For me, and I think for a lot of black women, you can't help but wonder if I'm getting like no dates, maybe possibly likely because I am black. Today on the show, Dating Ring confronts a problem endemic in the online dating world and in the world in general. Prejudice, bias, and attraction. How it all plays out when you're in the business of matching people. Clara is, in many respects, someone who should have an easy time with online dating. She's young. She's in her mid-20s. She's pretty. She's a professional. But so far, her experience has not been ideal. I hope this doesn't come off as as arrogant in any way, but I I just feel like I'm a moderately attractive person. I have a job. I'm educated. Uh, My friends think I'm amusing sometimes, although maybe they're amusing me. But I get ignored I don't get any responses or I don't get reached out to or I get kind of really sketchy attention from guys who weird fetish 
Um, and I think sometimes it's funny, but it's also a little bit dehumanizing. And, you know, if the whole point of online dating is just kind of to meet people and to kind of have fun going on dates, then I think for me at least, you know, that is not, that has not happened or played out that way. Clara's sense that maybe she was getting rejected because of her race is in fact supported by the data. I reached out to another co-founder of a very popular dating site, OkCupid. His name is Christian Rudder, and he has run the numbers. On OkCupid, Match.com, other dating sites, uh, there is a persistent sort of anti-Black bias. Um, Black women get are rated about three-quarters as high, uh, get about three-quarters of the messages, are replied to about three-quarters as often um, as everyone else. And that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, white men, Latino men, Asian men all show this bias more or less pervasively through those groups. So there isn't just a like core group of say, you know, r- racist Asians or racist, racist white guys that are kind of dragging the whole average down. This is a well-formed statistical phenomenon within that group. Christian Rudder also told me that black men and Asian men see a similar bias. And I saw this bias firsthand with Dating Ring when I read some of their customer feedback. It was comment after comment. I'm not into Asian guys. I'm not attracted to Asian guys. MS said a lot of these comments actually come from Asian women, sadly. Are you one of those Asian women? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, you are married to a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) It did make me feel so bad. I thought I should have dated more Asian men (laughs) when I was dating. But I think it's just more like when I was reading the comments. I mean, there's Uh no question. Like when you see comment after comment where people say they're not into Asian guys and you see that it's Asian women who are saying that, I mean, that just is awful. It feels unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this research into race and dating that Christian Rudder has done, of course, Emma and Lauren know all about it. The black woman problem is like a thing we spend a lot of time on. And when she says she spends a lot of time, she means that literally. Lisa Pollock, our producer, and I, we saw this firsthand. We were sitting with Emma in her office as she was trying to find a match for Clara. Clara wasn't there. Emma was just looking in her computer system, and she pulls up a match that she thinks might work. A white guy. He's very cute. He's really smart. He responds a lot. But then, a few minutes later... Although, I wonder, hang on. Um, Emma notices something that makes her second-guess this match. He might not be a good match because, to be perfectly honest, it looks like he has not liked any of the women we've sent him who aren't white. Her and... Her... And her, and he said no to all of them. Yeah, I don't want to set her up with someone that, you know, might not be interested in her, obviously. Emma goes back into the computer system, and after another few minutes of digging, she finds another possibility. An Indian guy this time. So I love him. He's like one of my favorite people. Um, Like, look at that face. His whole face crinkles when he smiles. He just looks like a delight. He is cute. Um, right, he's right. so cute. Yeah, he's I just, like, want to look at his face all day. 
let me just check before we, we get into this if if there's any if there are any red flags here. Um I mean he he has only texted two of his matches. Oh three. I lied. Three. Um but I think I'm still gonna send it because Yeah, it's not like he's not active. Okay, I'm gonna send it. Are you ready for all our hard work to come to fruition? Done. But when we followed up with Clara a few days later, she still hadn't heard from the guy. And again, impossible to say because of her race or because of all the other mystifying reasons people don't connect. But Clara wishes she didn't have to wonder if it was about race. And it makes her yearn for the early days of Dating Ring, when it was a very different experience. The days when they had been a group blind dating service. You went on dates with other people and you hadn't seen their pictures. You just showed up and that's when you saw them for the first time. But Dating Ring had added pictures and had gotten rid of these group dates because a huge percentage of their customers wanted them to. But there were a handful of people who didn't want them to. People like Aradna Hines. So many of the people that I knew were livid about this change. They thought there wasn't an understanding of the experiences that people of color go through on the dating scene. And I think OkCupid had just released their study about um, race and replies to emails. So that had come out. Everyone was talking about that on Facebook. So I figured as the sociologist in the group that I'd be the person most prepared to have a conversation about this. So I sat down and I, and I wrote them an email. My professional opinion as a sociologist is that the inclusion of pictures can very often stir up implicit biases where an individual might dismiss someone that they could possibly have great chemistry and connection with because they do not fit a certain cultural preference or ideal. Essentially, Aradna was saying that even if you're not explicitly racist, we all harbor subconscious opinions about people of different races and backgrounds, which can, without our even knowing it, tip the scales from texting someone back to not texting them back. Among Aradna's friends, she said in her letter, Dating Ring was known as the place where people of color got a fair shake. Both Clara and Aradna said there was something magical about those blind date days. Our producer, Lisa Pollack, talked to Lauren about this email. How'd you feel about that letter? I remember feeling really upset because she really gets it. This wasn't someone writing an angry response. This was someone who shares a lot of my beliefs about exactly why we set the product up. Blind dates, we totally agree, and we believed they were better. Um, but it just sucked because we we knew we weren't going to be able to get people to pay for a product without photos. How does that make you feel when people say, no, you had something really special before, and mm-hmm. I want that again. I want that product, the one that you thought of originally, the one that you were, <laughs> you know, trying to take to YC and make this 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 huge billion-dollar company. Like, what is that like to hear? Uh, let's say I came over and babysat for two hours every day for free, and your son loved me. Yeah. That would be a really magical experience, a free babysitter for two hours. There are lots of things that don't make any business sense that are going to be magical products. And so, 
you know, I still see that as group dates. We were losing tons of money sending them up. Or blind dates. She even was saying blind dates. Totally. And that is an experience that takes like a few hundred dollars to set up. So if you get to pay 20 bucks for it, that's magical. So that's why, you know, when people say we miss it, we're like, yeah, but here's what's going on on our end. We had like so many people canceling, rescheduling. It was a nightmare. We were losing lots of money. And they're like, oh, I wish it it had been something that that could work. We could automatically put people in a group and they would show up. But I don't feel like, oh, we fucked up. We really should have kept that. Because you, you read all that group date feedback. It was negative. What Lauren and Emma say, I think, is, well, we couldn't, we were going to, we were going to go out of business, you know, and I think you'll probably hear it on this episode, you know, Lauren saying, well, there weren't enough people who felt the way she did to keep us in business that way. Yes. What do you do with that? Unfortunately, that's the way the world works. I'm not surprised. And it is a difficult situation, so I'm not angry. Are you disappointed? I'm a little bit disappointed. (laughs) But um, they're trying to make money. They're trying to get people to come to their sites because this person is going to say, well, if I can't choose, I'm just going to go to one of the other sites where I can choose. So it all comes back to that issue of you got to give people what they want to make money. And sometimes what people want, it's not socially just. I think I'm not more disappointed because this is something that people of color face all the time. So you learn to have a tough skin and not take everything personally. Coming up, what happens when you're a dating company and you actually try to challenge the way the world works? We'll hear that story after these words from our sponsors. Welcome back to Startup. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. And the urge to not accept the world as it is, it can run strong in some people. You can argue it runs especially strong in entrepreneurs. After all, starting a company is in many ways choosing not to accept the world as it is, saying, I have an idea to make the world better. It's the reason that Emma and Lauren started Dating Ring, after all. And Christian Rudder, who started one of the biggest dating sites out there, he also feels this way. And he and his staff came up with an idealistic plan to introduce blind dating to OkCupid's customers through an app. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We all kind of bought into it, thought of the name Crazy Blind Date. It sounds so fun and adventurous and silly, maybe a little sexy, you know, kind of all the things that dating itself can be at, at its best, you know. And we have millions of people checking our site every day. It's that kind of classic entrepreneur's math. If we can just get 10% of them to download this new app, we'll be golden, you know. To promote the launch of the new app, Christian's team came up with a promotional idea. For one day, and one day only, all of OkCupid would be a blind dating site. No photos. And so, on the morning of January 15th, 2013, they removed every picture from every profile. People revolted. Site traffic dropped by more than 80%. Users hated it, which should have been a 
a very strong signal that what we were launching was probably also going to be hated. Um, but they hated it uh, for the very valid reason that the site that they used to be able to see all these people and look at all these singles and figure out who they want to sleep with uh, now wouldn't let them do that. So, um, but we did find that for the people that stuck around, you know, um, certainly that the normal extreme bias towards beautiful people on the site was gone because you don't know who's good looking, but also all the racial biases left as well. They also found that for that fraction of people who did stick around on the site on that day, the level of connection was better, at least in the way OkCupid measures these things. There's less ignoring each other. There's more actual responding to each other's messages, exchanging contact info. And then there was this, which sort of floored us. People who downloaded the crazy blind date app and actually went on blind dates, the satisfaction they had with their dates had no correlation to how hot or how not hot their date was. OkCupid had an objective measure of hotness in that users ranked each other. Everyone had a number assigned by the crowd. But when people used the blind dating app, there was no relationship between looks and satisfaction with the date. So you'd expect, you know, let's say you're hot and your date's not hot, that would have an effect on how you actually enjoyed the experience. But not so. Hot people loved dates with not hot people. Not hot people hated dates with hot people. Of all the reasons people might have been happy or unhappy with their dates, attractiveness level didn't appear to be among them. So in, in, in a purely theoretical environment, absent our users' actual desires, uh, it would be a better site if, if we, we didn't have any pictures. Um, but again, of course, we wouldn't have any users to not show pictures to in that situation. We want what we want, and what we want are pictures. Since its start, Dating Ring has continuously gone farther and farther away from its origins as a blind dating company. It's no longer looks blind, and it's no longer race blind. Now, when you sign up for Dating Ring, you have the option to say which races you're not interested in dating. And no one will see your preferences but your matchmakers. But as we'd been talking about preferences, race, dating, there was this one question that I felt I had to ask Emma and Lauren. Do you think that people who are the people who have racial preferences in dating, do you think that they're racist? I mean, yes, yes, but yes, yeah, I I do. Um, not in in the same way that, like, oh, God. <laughs> Not in the same way, uh, you know, that the KKK is racist. Um, but, of course, of course, to to say I am ruling out an entire group of people based on the color of their skin is, of course, racist. I, I, I don't. I don't think there's any way you can twist it into being something else. Um, does that mean it's not normal? Or, I don't know, does that mean it's not common? No, it's totally common. But you're still judging people based on the color of their skin before you've met them. So, yeah. I think calling someone a racist is a very loaded term. Um, because... Yeah, it's such a personal, private thing what your dating and sexual preferences are. I think it is one stream of racism 
to have ethnicity preferences because, like Emma said, like the definition of racism, you're making choices by race. But that doesn't make a person a racist. Obviously, this is a complicated question. And no matter how Lauren and Emma feel about it, there is a reality that their site has to deal with. They came to this realization early on when they were still doing blind dates. Emma told me this one story. One evening, she was setting up a couple of dates, and she sent the women involved information about who they were meeting that night. Saying, like, here's your date's name and phone number. Have a great date. The date. It was like an hour before the date that I would give this information just in case they were running late so they could text each other. And two of the women responded, and one of them said... I hope that's a typo because that name doesn't sound white to me. And I said, nope, not a typo. That's his name. And she said, okay, well, I'm not going. And the date was in an hour. And she was like, yeah, I'm not going. And they both didn't go. And and I was just so upset that, like, that, like she wouldn't, wouldn't even sit down for an hour on a date knowing that one of the guys was Indian. Like, it just... I just felt really overwhelmed by, like, how shitty that felt. Um, and, you know, basically what we thought was, like, we want to know this information not for these women's sake, but because we don't want to set up these men with women that aren't going to like them based on their race. Like, it was more to protect the non-white people than to, like, give the white people what they wanted, you know? And and I say that as a very white person. But, like, I don't want to set an Indian guy up with someone that has written off the entire race of Indian people. That's going to suck for him, right? So so that that had a lot to do with us allowing people to choose. Thanks for coming in. It's great to finally meet you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Okay, so... In the dating ring office a couple of nights ago, Emma sat with Clara, the woman that we heard at the top of the episode who wondered if her race was in any way preventing her from getting on dates. And she decided to end her subscription with Dating Ring. So Emma had reached out, asked her if she wanted to come in and discuss it. And so here she is. It's kind of like an exit interview of sorts. Emma asks her about her experience with her matches. So I texted the first guy or the first couple yeah. guys. And when I didn't get a text back, it wasn't keeping me up at night. Right. But at the same time, I kind of figured, you know... I don't even know if I like these guys. Right. So um, there's the only thing worse than rejection is like virtual rejection when you don't even care. When you don't care, right. <laughs> um, when you want to be like, I would reject you too. Right, exactly. this, I'm not even taking this personally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I understand that. Um, okay. Clara never mentioned race to Emma in this meeting. She told us later it wasn't a problem she expected Dating Ring to fix. She's just tired of paying for a service that matches her with guys that won't text her back. And there are easier and cheaper ways to meet men. The other night, I was waiting for the G train, the G platform. And a guy came up to me, started talking to me, super nerdy. Nice. Biggest nerd I've ever met. Um, I hope he's listening to this. (laughs) He probably is, if he's uh, the biggest nerd you've ever (laughs) met. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But you know what? We talked kind of the whole way, and then um, 
just gave him my first name. That was it. And he ended up looking me up the next day and writing me an email to my work account. And we're going on a date later. Oh my God, that's so proactive. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to marry the guy. Who knows? But the idea is kind of that for me is a much more positive experience, even if I go on one date with him. Definitely. Way more romantic. Oh my God, it's so romantic on the G train. Right. Nothing good ever happens there. That's exactly what we were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately for Dating Ring, a lot of clients are making that same decision that Claire is making to quit the service. People of all races and ethnicities for all sorts of different reasons. And coming up on the next episode of Startup, we hear a lot more about this. How do you survive as a company when your users are abandoning you and you're not getting new customers quickly enough to replace the ones that are leaving? And one other thing uh, I want to just mention here. As it happens, this turned out to be Race and Dating Week here at Gimlet Media. Reply All, Gimlet's show about the internet, which is produced just 15 feet from the startup offices, which is really just a table, happens to be doing an episode this week with the great Stephanie Fu, a producer at This American Life, all about Asian women and online dating. It is a pretty amazing episode, so definitely check it out. Reply All. We will have scenes from the next episode of Startup after these words from our sponsor. Coming up on the next episode of Startup, Dating Ring finds itself in a cash crunch. I mean, by the end of January, we had $23,000 in the account, and we were spending still thirty, thirty-five thousand 35000 a month. We didn't have enough runway to keep going. So that's when panic started setting in again. It's coming up on the next episode of Startup. This episode was reported, edited, and produced by Lisa Pollock and Caitlin Roberts. We also got editing help from Caitlin Kenny. The startup website was designed in partnership with Athletics. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. The Reverend John Delore mixed the episode. Season 2 of Startup features brand new original music written and performed by John Delore, along with his bandmates, Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, Samu McGregor, John Ledeau, Dominic Falacaro. Their band's name, hotmoms.gov. To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe to Startup or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. Gimletmedia.com, where you can now become a Gimlet member. You'll get access to t-shirts, new content before it drops, and lots of other cool stuff. Go to gimletmedia.com and click on the Become a Member button. And to stay informed, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup. You can follow me at Avex Lumberg. And you can follow Lisa at Lisa E. Chow. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. See you on the next episode of Startup. Startup.